And we are live. You know what? I, the second I hit live, I just remembered that I made a like a 30 second intro that's all cool. And I completely forgot to use it, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, hey, everybody. How you doing? This is uh, kind of this wasn't even really a scheduled uh, interview. I just uh, I missed it. Well, I messaged Branson, I don't know, a few days ago. Uh, we're both in a, uh, a chat room on Telegram uh, where a bunch of different uh, anons or citizen investigators, citizen journalists talk about different topics. There are people that are professionals in, in certain wheelhouses and everybody, it's, it's kind of like a think tank or just like a brainstorming session where everybody shares information and uh, the conversation goes on. And I think that things open like 24 hours a day, seven days. It a day. is. Yeah, that particular one, it, I don't know if I've ever seen less than 30 people in it. And sometimes I've seen as many as 160 in it one time. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I've been, it's kind of addicting actually because there's so much information and people go off on tangents and stuff, but they, everybody does that. But it, it's been pretty, pretty good. And I've, I've learned a lot of new things and met a lot of people that have enlightened me to some new information that I think would be helpful for me and helpful for other people. So Branson was on, on here and was speaking about uh, something called quantum grammar, uh, knows about maritime law, uh, constitutional law, and uh, corporate law, and a bunch of other stuff. But that, that's what got my attention when he started speaking about quantum language or quantum grammar and the uh, constitutional law as opposed to maritime law. And I just messaged him and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm interested in this. Would you like to do an interview? And uh, I had the, the day off. Well, not from my own business, but from my other job that I got. I had the day off and I said, hey, let's you want to do an interview? So so here we are. It's kind of off the cuff and we don't have a script or anything. We're just going to we're just going to talk. And uh, I'll ask Branson a few questions about uh, about some of this stuff. And uh, we'll go from there. And uh, Branson, I don't know if you can see the um, the comments or questions on your end. Oh, can you uh, I can. Yep. Now I can. Comments, so people can ask us questions and comments and stuff like uh, make comments. And there will be some trolls. There is no there is no uh, Mike Barton YouTube channel without the trolls. So there's some great people <laughs> here, um, but there's always some trolls also. Uh, oh, yep. Hey, there goes there goes the uh, the smoke detector. Right when we start our, our interview, the smoke detector is going off. So, all right, we'll just work through that. Um, so Branson, uh, how did you learn about all of this stuff? Well, uh, I would say my waking moment, um, or when I just started becoming aware that there was something wrong, uh, was at some point in the nineties, probably around 96, 97. And as soon as nine 11 happened, I pretty much, it became a, a major focus for me, was in not only exposing what I saw as false narratives, but also um, looking for, seeking for truth and information that would empower myself and the people in general to do something about it. Um, because I wasn't satisfied with the idea of, just letting criminals all over the world just run things the way they wanted to run them. So it became uh, imperative to me at that point and then really started 
taking off in 2006 is when I really like this is I'm full time on this now. You know, I mean, I've always had my own businesses and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I started putting a lot of effort into disseminating information. And by that time, I had learned enough to where I could speak um, quite knowledgeably about many different topics. And it really it actually just started by accident of, you know, me going to workshops and seminars where people were teaching about different subjects like this. And, you know, on breaks and things like that, when you kind of gather up with the other people attending, just talking about things. And it grew into doing a weekly call where we were at that time, it was talk shoe. So you got to remember this is back mm -hmm. at the, at the beginning of, of, yeah. of the, so we started doing talk shoe calls and then that grew into doing an actual in-person workshop, like a continuous, like week to week to week, because every time someone would come to me and like, Oh, tell me this. And, I'm, and I would try to break down, like, look, this is a really big subject. This isn't something I could give you in an hour. This isn't something I could give you in a day. In fact, there's so much information here that we could talk about this for months on end. So I decided to just start doing a class um, once a week. And then that grew into doing workshops all around the country and seminars and stuff like that. So it kind of just blew up from there. And all the while, learning anything and everything I could about anything and everything, uh, especially yeah. as it, uh, as it relates to our systems, economic systems, government systems, and things like that. So it really, I, I haven't limited myself on many topics. I've gone anywhere and everywhere I could. And one of the driving purposes and meanings for me, myself and my life is elevating people, empowering people. And what, so one of the central tenets of everything I've been doing for years is a restoring the Republic, bringing the Republic back to the foreground, as opposed to lying dormant in the background. So that that's been one of the, the driving um, motivations for me for years. That's, that's awesome. So the people that watch my channel, uh, that, have, that have been listening for a couple of years now, I've been following my story. I've been documenting and reporting uh, being targeted since November of 2017 and mm -hmm. uh, filming the standard operating procedures, explaining what I go through, the irritating and agitating types of things that happen that sound ridiculous to other people unless they've experienced right. it themselves. Like this smoke detector that's going off right now, it seems like a, just a perfectly normal thing that happens, but the timing is impeccable. Literally the minute that I got on this interview with you, the, the smoke detector <laughs> in my house started going off. And right. know, who knows, who knows? But um, that, that's just one tiny little thing. So long story short, I ended up, um, when I realized this was going on, I recorded a police officer that was in a convenience store who was harassing me. I pulled out my phone and I did what the Air Force taught me to do, and, which is uh, document and re report different events. And part of that was interviewing people. I've interviewed uh, generals, congressmen, senators, et cetera. Right. And this police officer, I think, thought I was just some idiot or a crazy guy and wasn't ready for this professional type interview in the middle of a convenience store. And I questioned her and she basically made herself look really bad. Uh, she... Mm -hmm. I asked her if she knew about targeted individuals. She said, yeah, we had one yesterday. I said, can you tell me about him? She goes, no, he died. Ha, 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 ha. 
laughing about this. Kind of thing. Um, hmm. That's so, got to be disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be. They they uh, harass and intimidate, gaslight you, and right. um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty messed up. It's pretty evil what what they do. But you know, if somebody's doing that to me, I'm going to put them in the light. And they didn't like right. that. Three weeks later, I just happened to get arrested for aggravated assault with a firearm. When I had on video a guy pulling a gun out of his window, following me to my home, chasing me through the neighborhood, and they refused to look at the video. They refused to give me the exculpatory evidence um, from from the whole uh, incident, which were the body camera, uh, the body camera footage. They said we don't use body camera footage, with, but they had footage of them going through my mailbox for some reason. So they proved to they proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that they do use body cameras. But, right. but the 12 or 13 officers that showed up to the event just happened to not have a body camera for a call to a firearm. But for the mailbox, they had it. So anyway, right. I learned pretty quick uh, that our justice system and our court system doesn't work the way that we may think it does. And you yeah. think they're always just going after the bad guys, that you're going to get justice, that you're going to get a, that you're going to be treated fairly and that the law is there to work in your favor. And in some scenarios, it is, but if you know the law correctly. Oh, and by the way, I need to make this disclaimer. We're not attorneys, and we're not giving you legal advice. This is our own discussion and our opinions about the different types of law, constitutional, uh, corporate, maritime law. Uh, this is just what we've uh, studied, mostly what Brands has studied, and I'm about to learn about. Um, and I just wanted to have a discussion about that. So the, the more, let's see, I spent a year and eight months in court. Wow. Paid an attorney $30,000. He must've got paid more from somebody else. He completely turned on me, treated me like I was the, uh, uh, the, the guilty one, the uh, defendant, I guess I would, or the, mm. the uh, anyway, like I was, a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, so I fired him, ended up with a public defender, and I was going to try to just tell the public defender what to say because they, they won't say a word right. for you in court. Right. And I did that. The public defender wouldn't say a word. I spoke up for myself. I was yelled at by the judge, told to shut up, that, that he speaks and I don't. And I was like, yeah, but I'm defending my freedom right now, and I'm, getting, I'm not receiving justice or due process. Right. And uh, so long, long story short, I, I learned – that the justice system isn't always about justice. Sometimes it's used as, uh, as a weapon that I call lawfare, uh, warfare with the law. And it has happened to a lot of people who are patriots or constitutionalists or just people that, that care about the truth and freedom in general. And, you know, we've seen this happen and ha happen over and over in history before uh, communist East Germany had the Stasi the secret police. They did the exact yeah. same thing. If there was somebody that uh, wasn't that didn't want to go along with the totalitarian communist dictatorship, they threw him in the well. I don't think they got the gulag, but anyway, they threw him in prison. They slandered him. They they blacklisted him. They they did what's what's happening here in the United States right now. And right. Uh, if I would have known more about what Branson knows about, I think I would have been in, in a better position right now. So right. Um, so what? Okay. So how? how are we not operating under constitutional law anymore? Is it because the United States became a corporation in 1871 
or what? How did this all? Part of it. I'm just going to give you the floor, and you can, you can you can kind of let me know. Okay, so it's not that the original Constitution or the original Republic has gone away. I like to say it's been lying dormant, and and it can be invoked at any time if you know how to invoke it. Yes, and. I would say what you need to understand to understand the entire system is you need to understand the nature of trust and how trusts work. Because what we have is a complex system that is just trust layered within trust layered within trust. And when you start to understand how these trusts operate and how they interact and are interrelated, then you start to understand the inner workings of the system itself. So for is instance, that, is, sorry, what's that? is that trust T-R-U-S-S? No, T-R-U-S-T, trust. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking notes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when you understand the layers of trust that are in place, then you start to understand the system that's at work. So, and uh, again, one of my motivations here is to the restoration of the Republic. And in looking back, I can say the one mistake that our founding fathers made with the Constitution was not including clauses or phrases uh, or an amendment that would obligate anyone and everyone, whether they be a bureaucrat or a politician at the federal or state levels or anything else, that if and when a citizen is being entered into a trust or their property is being entered into a trust, that there should be full disclosure of the trust. The terms of the trust, which we commonly known as the indentures, the rules, the laws of the trust, because under trust law, no disclosure is actually required. So you put property into trust and they don't even have to tell you that the property has been placed into a trust. And so I, and at this point, I would say if we had something like a trust disclosure act, whereby anytime you're putting property into a trust or anything like that, you understand the nature of the trust, who the parties of the trust are, what property you're placing in the trust. Because oftentimes people place property in a trust and don't realize that any interest in that property is being conveyed at all. And whenever you have a process of uh, application, registration, and certification, you have a trust. That is just the basic structure and nature of a trust. Typically, the application is in the form of some kind of documentation, a document like a document of title to a piece of property. And then that property, that asset gets registered and you get in return a certificate. Sound familiar? You do this with your car every day. It also should sound familiar to all of you who've had children because you do it with your children. That application for live birth that you give at the hospital, is it's, it's an asset report. It's a document of title. That's why it has your child's name, your child's age, the, the length, weight of the child, right? You're describing what they consider chattel, portable property. So you're Port describing a piece of portable property. You even put the footprint of the child on there. Cargo. That's yeah, it's it's Correct. a document of title. Yep. Or or if you want to talk in nautical terms and in, in maritime yeah. terms, it's a bill of lading, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so you exchange this, the child is then registered. This is 
and and again, so understanding the nature of trust and understanding the parties of the trust. If you're the one who's conveying the document of title, well, then you're the grantor. So as the mother and father of the child, you become the grantor to the trust. The party that registers the property is the trustee. And then the beneficiary receives the birth certificate or the certificate of interest. Now, all trusts have what are, what's known as split title, meaning you have equitable interest, which is what we commonly call ownership, and you have controlling interest, which is also called legal title, okay? The trustee has controlling interest or legal title, which allows the trustee, which gives the trustee authority to control the property, okay? Equitable interest entitles you to, like it, let's say in the instance of your car, you can sell the car and get money for the car because you have an equitable interest in the car. However, the state that you registered the vehicle with, they control the vehicle. That's why the state can take your vehicle. They could just take it. They control it. They don't need your permission. They can just take the vehicle. And this is also why they can just take your children because you gave up control of the children to the state. So understanding that first of all, there is this split title system related to trusts and that you're creating these trusts all the time. Anytime you have without application registration. Yeah, without knowing it. And that's yeah. why I'm saying if there was some kind of a trust disclosure, like when you're filling out an application mm -hmm. to put your child into a trust, there should be full disclosure. Like, okay, just so you know, you're putting your kid into trust. We now control your kid. Your kid's going to get certain benefits and privileges because of this trust, but you have the right to not put them in the trust. So this is what I mean by a trust disclosure, because the, the, the corporate United States would have never been able to be created had, it, had there been some kind of a clause within the Constitution that would have required the disclosure of the trusts that were being created at that time. So the assets of the United States at, at the end of the Civil War, the Republic of the United States, mm -hmm. are placed into a trust, okay? And the states have all agreed to be sureties to the Constitution, okay? So that's the nature of the constitutional document itself. The original Constitution was all the states signing on as sureties for the federal government, okay? So really, at that point, the, the, the state's assets become surety for any obligation created by the federal government. And so what they did was they, they basically placed the assets of the Republic into a trust, which now creates this new entity. Okay. And this new entity is, we'll call it the United States corporation. Um, but it's, it's a trust, you know, and it's uh, probably most likely registered as a private unlimited company out of city of London. Um, just by the nature of how these entities are structured and registered typically. You, you, Did you have a question? Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about the corporation in the United States, I found, actually my girlfriend found something and she said, here, check this out. And it's on inforupsy.com or .org, I believe. I, I'll share in the uh, comments later. But it actually shows that the corporation of the United States filed for bankruptcy a while ago, over a year ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that case just closed on January 25th, uh, court in Florida, and they, they closed the bankruptcy case for the Corporation of the United States 
on, like I said, on January 25th, and it showed the uh, debtors, the people that are that are that are holding our debt, and they were from China and from Saudi Arabia and a uh, bunch of different places. So, you mean uh, you mean the creditors? The creditors. Yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you. The creditors. I I should not even be talking about this subject. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm good with a lot of other things, but this you know it's something I wanted to learn about, and you clearly know about it. So that that's perfect. I mean, you that'll stick in my head now forever. The creditors. So, right. but what is what does that mean to us if the corporation of the United States filed bankruptcy and that actually closed? Does that corporation no longer exist? Well, it's first of all, let's say this: it's a corporation. So, again, I haven't seen the information specifically you're talking about, but I've heard people talking about it recently. And from mm-hmm. what I gather, they're saying, or what I've heard people say, is that it's a trust registered under the state of Delaware. That does not mean that it was created under the authority of the state of of, uh, Delaware, but it also doesn't mean that it's the originating trust because for one, when you, the way they've been structuring countries for, Mm -hmm. you know, over a hundred years now is they, they register first, like they're the, what we'll say is the the foundational entity, okay, mm-hmm. is a private unlimited company, which does not have bankruptcy rights, meaning it cannot, it does not have any uh, uh, protections from liability for, for debts, okay? Now, the, what you're seeing or what it sounds like to me is it could possibly be another entity because these le- entities layer themselves within other entities. So this could be a corporation. You know, I keep hearing it called a corporation, but the other day I heard someone mention that it was a trust that was just registered in the state of Delaware. And now if it's a foreign entity, then it wouldn't be filing for bankruptcy in the United States under the, in the particular one that you're talking about, in what court do you remember that was the bankruptcy filed in? Here, I was trying to put the link in the uh, in the chat here, but it's not coming up on my YouTube. So I'll just pull the uh, I'll pull it up here. Okay, so it's on inforupsy.com. Okay. Uh, Florida Northern Bankruptcy Court. Yeah, that okay, so I've seen that one. That's okay. So here's my take on that particular case. The United States Corporation Company is a corporate services company. That's what it appears to be to me. Because for one, if the country itself were filing in bankruptcy, it couldn't file in a federal court. The courts are part of the corporation. It couldn't okay. file for bankruptcy within a court that is a sub, a, a really part of a subcorporation. So it, it would be an improper venue. You know, okay. if you're talking about an intern, because the corporation, what, we're, what we were referring to before, the United States Corporation, it's a foreign entity. It is not, it is not created under the laws of any state. That's a, that's a, that's a Florida corporation there. That's why it's in a Florida district court filing for bankruptcy. Okay. And just by the name, it's to me, what it sounds like is a, is a corporate services company. You know, like uh, uh, if you if you wanted to create a corporation in Florida, but you don't actually have a business in Florida, you could 
you would have one of these service companies do some of the paperwork for you with the secretary of state. That's one service they would offer. They would offer you what's known as a uh, resident agent, because in order to have a Florida corporation, you have to have an address for process of service in that state. And so that is a service that many companies provide. So that to me does not seem like in, in fact, it can't be <laughs> because the, the, the U.S. corporation couldn't file for bankruptcy in a Florida court, in okay. a Florida district court. So okay. that that to me seems like something very different. Um, I haven't dive, dove deep on it like because right on its face, it seemed uh, suspect to me. I was like, nah, this this isn't right. An, uh, an international trust, a trust outside, because really the jurisdiction of our entire court system and everything exist underneath the corporation it couldn't the corporation itself couldn't file for bankruptcy in a court that's really part of the corporation it's run by them yeah yeah it, it, it wouldn't make any sense and because we know that these countries quote unquote these de facto countries these de facto governments are incorporating in a what's known as a private unlimited company so when they do get themselves into a, a position of being uh a be beholden to a to a creditor and the creditor is calling the debt due what happens is a liquidation of assets for the purpose because you don't have those protections with a private unlimited company you don't have the protection to just declare bankruptcy and you know settle the accounts that's not how it works with an unlimited company that's what unlimited means it means unlimited liability meaning the structure itself can be liquidated but then it could just be placed into a new trust so it's like you liquidate the assets, you place it in a new trust, and we wouldn't be any of the wiser. Like, yeah, there's a new trust in place, but we didn't know what the original trust was. Is that how these corporations get away with anything they want? That's how many of them do. Because if you look at, I would say that probably more of the reason that large corporations get away with what they want is who are the stakeholders in these corporations? Okay. And, you know, I always point to it's the central banking system, you know, yeah. the Federal Reserve, the IMF, <clears throat> the uh, Bank of International Settlements, stuff like that. These people control a bulk of the corporations on the planet um, through stakes that they hold through proxies and whatnot. And so when you print the money, you can grease anyone's palms, yeah. right? <laughs> you could get any bureaucrat to do what you want. You can get any uh, politician to do what you want. So really, you're not beholden to the law. You're above the law because you print the money. And when you print the money, you determine who these laws are actually applied against and who's immune, right? And there's, now, there's nothing inherently in our law that would that would make these large corporations immune. It's the fact that those who hold a stake in these corporations have that level of control where they control hundreds, if not thousands of bureaucrats, mm -hmm. all the politicians or 90% of the politicians. So they can make happen whatever they want to happen. And yeah. we are under the illusion that our voice and our will affects what is determined out of our politicians and bureaucrats and things like that. And it's just a farce. It's, it's, a, it's a system run, controlled, run and controlled by the central banking system. And I, and I deliberately didn't use the word own there because of the, remember we talked about it's a trust and there's mm -hmm. split title. 
Okay. Right. So you ownership is not what you think it is. People think ownership means I control it. No, not in a trust. We don't own anything. You don't. don't (laughs) If you don't pay your property taxes, you take your property. If you don't pay your, you name it, anything, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't own anything. And we're under the, you know, you could own a house, you could own a bunch of cars, you could own uh, different businesses and stuff like that. But if you don't pay up, Right. Well, let me let me let me correct the language there because we want to be precise in our language. You do own it, which means you have a beneficial interest in it. You don't control it. You do not have a a, what what would be called a lodial title, which is a whole and complete title, which entitles you to not only beneficial interest, but also control. We don't have that in this country anymore. That used to be what you got with a land claim. Like when you would stake your claim on land, you got what was called a land patent which gave you a lodial title to the land. Okay. That's different. That's not split. The title is not split. You own and control the land. But since the last bankruptcy, if you go back to 1929, Mm -hmm. what they did was they got everyone out of any land claims and convinced them to take beneficial interest in parcels. Okay. So they basically did a switcheroo where they put everyone's land into a trust and gave you beneficial interest to the trust. And that's all that's being traded in the real estate market is beneficial interest to a parcel, not the land. You have no claim to the land. You gave it up. You put it into a trust and they didn't disclose to you that you put it into a trust. And you so, don't realize because that's the way things have been since the day we were born. And that's what we learn. And you know, you have no idea until right. you start to either one, you get screwed over or they take it from you, or you know, if you meet somebody like you, it's like you have to learn the hard way. And then you start talking yeah. about it. And a lot of people, you know, if you try to explain something like this to them, they'll be like, oh, come on, you know, you own your stuff. Don't be such a conspiracy theorist or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like they just well, have all, a- you, all you have to t- ask them is, well, can somebody else take it? If somebody <laughs> else can take it, I don't have control of my property. The yeah. fact is, if people can come in and take your kids mm-hmm. and your cars and mm-hmm. your house, you have no control over any of that. That's the reality. So what's happening there? I mean, like I said, it, it's self-evident that there's a trust here because of the nature of control and power over property. Like it's self-evident everywhere that if you don't have absolute control over the property, well, then you don't have an allodial title. You do not have a controlling interest in the property. You have an equitable interest in the property, meaning you can buy it, you could sell it, you can trade it, you can exchange it, you can leverage it, right? If you want to, you know, get a loan and leverage your asset against that loan. But then again, the bank is going to be in the same position when they take the property away from you. They don't have control of it either. As the creditor, they've just taken over your equitable interest in the property. So if you have an elodial title, basically that means it's 100% yours. Yeah, okay. yeah. Control, you have control and equitable interest or ownership. Okay, all right. Man, this this interview is amazing. And I've, it's already worth what I've learned <laughs> doing this. With I really appreciate you being here, man. Um, this oh, is thank you, thank you. Helpful information to people that uh, need to know this stuff. So as far as, as, far as the, uh, the, the court system, Right. I've watched videos of like some of the, uh, I think Moors or Moorish uh, 
guys will go into the court and they'll tell the, you know, not just them, but there's different, different people like yourself probably that yep. been able to walk into a court and tell the judge that he has no jurisdiction over them. They're a sovereign person. I'm probably using the wrong words, whatever, but basically the judge will have to vacate his bench and walk away. If you use the right terminology and the right language saying you have no control over me, basically. Right. Um, that's a judge's, that's a judge's first job is to establish jurisdiction in personam jurisdiction in subject matter jurisdiction. And typically they use little underhanded ways and methods to get it. And it's funny because I, back in the day, I worked with many of the Moors and, uh, and I had many of them as students um, in some of the workshops and seminars I gave. So I'm familiar with some of their tactics and some of their approaches to some mm -hmm. of these things. Um, but yeah, you, you must, th there must be, it, the in personam jurisdiction must be established in the courtroom. So typically they'll do something uh, like that seems rather innocuous. Like, uh, is this your ID? Right. Or, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so what's, what's your birth date? What's your date of birth? Mm -hmm. Right. And so you were talking about maritime earlier and uh, the date of birth is, is basically you confessing to entering their jurisdiction. Right. No. Because that's because that's maritime law. Right. A ship comes to birth and the birth. ship is birthed. It is yep. now under the jurisdiction of where it's birthed. Right. Yep. Whereas when it's out at open sea, the captain is the is the law of the land. Right. Or uh, the commander of the words there. He's he yeah. he is the judge, jury and pro and executor. Right. Mm -hmm. So our executioner. So he has full uh, uh, say over anything and everything that happens on his vessel. If he says you're going overboard, you're going overboard. If he mm -hmm. says we're dumping this cargo, we're dumping this cargo. There mm -hmm. is no questioning the captain at sea, but when he, when he comes to birth, he's now under the jurisdiction of where he's, where the ship is birthed at. So confessing even to a date of birth is confessing to being under jurisdiction. They say, this is this your, your ID. That's creating a joinder because it's the state's ID, right? It says state of California at the top. <laughs> so, so whose ID is it? Yeah, it's the state's ID. Can't they take it? Can't they take it at any time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So who's, yeah. whose ID is it? But yeah. they get you to confess to it, which now you're in, in a joinder. You've now been connected with the state. So you've confessed to being under their jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So, so there's a little tricks like this. And, and a lot of the Moors have figured out like, well, you know, I'm not confessing that that's my idea. I'm not confessing to a date of birth. And so they're, what they're doing is they're, they're playing the game that the judge is playing anyways, but they're aware they're, yeah. they're, they're conscious of his tricks to, to obtain subject matter and impersonum jurisdiction. So they just avoid those little pitfalls. And if they do it, well, and we don't have a criminal judge on our hands, well, then they'll, the judge will walk away or he may actually walk out, call a recess, change the flags and uh, convene court under the Republic because he's like, well, I can, I can only deal with real people here. And, and really you would only see that, let's say in a criminal, like if you actually harmed another, like, like a true crime, because many of the crimes people are charged with are statutes where there are no victims right? Exactly. That's not under the law of the land. That's not a crime. Okay. Yeah. There must be a victim in order to be a crime who knows how to avoid that jurisdiction 
but they've actually committed a crime, whereas they've damaged someone, they've hurt someone, they've killed someone, right? Well, you have to you have to adjust the jurisdiction of the court to be able to charge that person under the law of the land. So the judge can call a recess, switch out the flags. We're no longer under maritime. We're now under the law of the Republic, the law of the land. And now I can charge you as a criminal. So just, and, and just, I don't need these little tricks of, of jurisdiction. Just so people know what you're talking about with the flags, the, the American flag with the yellow fringe around it is mer- um, under maritime law. The, Regular American flag without that is constitutional law. Is that what, or not necessarily? Not okay. necessarily. The, yes, the gold fringe does denote Admiralty Maritime Military Court. Okay. However, the shape and proportion of the flag is what distinguishes the flag of the Republic from the flag of the corporation. Ooh. Okay. So a two by three flag is a flag of the corporation. So like two units high by three units wide. That's a flag of the corporation. The flag of the Republic is one unit high by 1.9 units wide. So that's the flag of the Republic. So you can have a flag with no fringe that's still a flag of the corporation. I'm taking notes, buddy. <laughs> good, no, good. Is, because then you could talk about this with other people and and because i feel like knowledge is the 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 best thing we have the strongest tool we have it's what empowers us it's the only way for us to restore our republic is to understand what we have now so that we know how to prevent this in the future you are absolutely right and that's why i spend every day of my life doing my best to give other people information so they don't end up in the same position that i am and inviting people right. like you on my show so uh, so we can share the information I don't know about, because I clearly don't know about everything. This is, um, yeah, it, so, the, yeah, this is great. It, it, knowledge is power. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so one, one, one by 1.9 is the flag of the Republic. Yes. Okay, and then, okay, so, well, I don't know why, but it, it keeps popping in my head. So the flag of the Republic that is, I, I called it constitutional law, but what would we be? What would they be operating under if they switched out that flag, the two by three flag or the uh, yellow fringe flag, to the one by one point nine flag? What? How does that? They they would then become an Article Three court, Article Three of the Constitution. So they would become they would now be operating under the original judicial branch of government, whereas. Right now, any of the any of these courtrooms that are flying in a corporate flag, maritime or not, are uh, are operating under as a basically as a corporate court, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to say it would be I don't know if I would call it an Article One legislative court or or it may fall under Article Five. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look. Um, it's been a long time since I've talked about this subject, but it would it would actually fall under a completely different article of the Constitution because it's really, and I don't uh, I'm I'm going to call it a political court, and I don't mean political in the sense of political parties. Mm-hmm. Political in that it, it it's a, a there are law forms that that our world operates under. Okay, for for lack of a better word, if we look at at the very top would be natural law, and then you would have commercial law. And then you would have common law and then you would have statutory law and then you would have political law. Okay. So statute would be what these, what 
created these courts. So their law is a political law. It's a, it's the very lowest form of law. But as soon as you switch out the flags, you're now operating under the article three. So you'd be a common law court at that point. And in common law, you can charge someone criminally for harming or damaging another. Whereas in the political law or the statutory law jurisdiction, you're really, all you're doing is you're everything in those courts is commercial in the sense that you, you, that's why we call them charges, right? Where you're always getting charged and, and there is a penal sum that goes with every charge. Okay. So it's a financial transaction. Make no bones about it. It is purely financial. If you've damaged someone, doesn't matter to them. There's a penal sum attached to it. And it's really in the end, the victim isn't going to get anything out of it. Most likely, you know, it's, it's really the penal sum is going to, is going to be what you get put into the work camp for, right? They're going to put you in the warehouse under commercial mm -hmm. law mm -hmm. and, and they're going to extract that penal sum from you by holding you in the warehouse for yeah. however long they hold you in their warehouse slash prison. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which now a lot of people, well, more and more people are, are realizing that we have private prisons, which are also corporations, and they have a board of directors sitting around in a circle trying to figure out how they can fill up more cells because they get federal funding of like forty dollars to $100,000 a year, some crazy thing, per inmate. So they're trying to, to build their business, build their corporation by filling people in these, these courts. And that's where the, the targeting program that, I, that I've been talking about for a long time comes into play because that's part of it. They're pushing people into these courts. Right. And a lot of people that don't know their constitutional rights, like Brandon's speaking about right now, and you're just like, I don't even know what to do. This attorney's on their side. I'm going to prison for X amount of years because I'm ignorant to, right. to how everything works. And they know that, and they're using it to grow their corporation. And that's what's turned yeah. our our country into a police state, a slave. Well, we've been we've been there for a long time, a slave state, right. prison state, you know. And um, yeah, it's man. There's there's so much information to learn to be able to protect yourself that it it hurts it hurts my brain a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can fit a lot in there. And um, it's that yeah, they make it tough intentionally. It's by design. So yeah. I guess this is what we have to do to uh, learn to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the end, it's a money-making system. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when you realize that there's actually corporations that actually bond the, so how does the law come about? It starts off as a, as a bill, right? Mm -hmm. So it, the bill is issued and the, when the statute, let's say they want to create a new crime, like, talking on your cell phone or texting on your cell phone while you're driving, right? Yep. Well, what you don't realize is that some corporation comes along and they do an assessment of like, well, how much money will we get out of this, this new statute, this new regulation, right? And they bond it, okay? So whoever's issuing it, let's say it's a statewide law, right? Or statute is the proper mm -hmm. word for it. So this is a state level statute and Walmart decides, yep, we'll underwrite that meaning we're going to put up a bond for $500,000 or whatever to get y'all to enforce it, but we expect a return on our investment. Meaning you better write more than 
500,000 or million, however much they put up in the bond in tickets for this in order for us to make money and for us to invest in your future statutes. So it's, again, it's a money-making system all the way around. And, and, and they're- And then police who are supposed to be constitutional, uh, constitutional peace officers become state enforcement agents with quotas. And people say, no, cops don't have quotas. They wouldn't do that. But, okay, well, what you just explained proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that they have to have quotas in able to, to, to in, in order to, to, to pay back that bond. Pay back the bond. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it's like, it's part of their funding now, right? They got, let's say a million dollars. Now in reality, they must generate more than a million dollars in order for the person who put up the, the money, the bond in order to back this statute, they need to make a return on nobody invests money to lose money. Right. So if you're going to, if you're not going to make me at least a million dollars off mm -hmm. this bond, then it's not worth it for me to invest in it. And then you start to lose the interest of people bonding these statutes. So now there's the, you, you, you can't create that funding later on because you failed to hit the mark on a particular law or regulation statute. So those people that are coming up with arbitrary statutes, laws for profit are creating weaponized systems against United States citizens. They're the criminals. They're the, they're the, it's organized crime. It's, it's literally conspiracy to, to profit off of enslaving United States citizens. Here's the thing. I, I, I would agree with you. However, we have volunteered into this system at every level. Now we're unaware. And I do believe at some level that at the very least, it's unethical that we are not educated and told how this system works and that there are options. Like people just believe you have to get a birth certificate for your child. Mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not even something people question. They just presume it to be true. And even if you ask a doctor, the doctor thinks you have to too. Yeah. Right. He, he doesn't know any better, mm -hmm. but so that there's, there is definitely a, a level of deceit occurring, but you know what they say? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yeah. And all contract and all trust, these are, that's all law. So your ignorance of the trust that you've entered into, um, even the franchise of the United States citizen, you didn't have to be a United States citizen. You elect to be a U.S. citizen. Every time you fill out a form and it, it asks, are you a U.S. citizen? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. You check yes, you have elected to, to be a member of that franchise. So now, now, now don't get me wrong. With that franchise come benefits, privileges, protections, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're like, if you're not, you don't get unemployment insurance, right? You don't get social security in your retirement. You don't get any of those benefits and privileges. So many people, if they had knowledge and the choice may still choose it, but mm -hmm. many people wouldn't, <laughs> you know? So so there, that level of deceit that like we've covered it up and because we don't have to disclose the nature of, of a trust and that's, that's just a maximum law. That's trust law that goes all the way back to, 
the inception of our commercial systems 10,000 years ago. So you don't have to disclose the terms of a trust to the beneficiaries or anyone else. The only parties that need to know are the trustees because they're enforcing the trust. Okay. So at some level, none of this is really illegal. They've just tricked us into joining this thing that we didn't know we had a choice in joining or not. Right. Just like you don't have to register your car, but you don't get the benefits and privileges of, of, of a registered car. Right. Like if your car gets stolen, well, they, you know, if it's not registered, well then tough luck. You know, yeah. because we can't we can't tie the VIN number to you if it's not registered. So so there's a benefit and privilege there. And so there's always a benefit and privilege when they entice you into these trusts, right? And if but if if, if people had the awareness like, oh, it's voluntary, and oh, there are benefits, but oh, there's I'm also giving up something here, mm-hmm. right? Because the franchise of the US citizen is bound by all these statutes. Remember all those, those you know, cell phone statutes and everything mm-hmm. else. You're bound by those because you elect to be bound by those by choosing to be a part of that franchise. So because you voluntarily choose to be a member of that franchise, you also voluntarily choose to be bound by all those statutes. So how do so, we? How how do we? How do I even say this? This is so damn complicated. How do we stay an American citizen with protections and constitutional rights without setting ourselves up for failure or giving away rights? Is, is there is first, any, yeah, uh, yeah, first be aware you have unalienable rights. Your rights do not come from the Constitution. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights, was basically the government will protect these rights. But those rights were already yours. That's how the framers saw it. That's how the founding fathers saw it. Like, in fact, there was a debate on whether or not we, they should even include the Bill of Rights because there is no way the federal government would ever have the right to take away these inalienable rights or unalienable rights. So the unalienable right to a freedom of expression, the inalienable right to bear arms, right? The unalienable right to be secure in your person and property, right? These are all what they saw as unalienable rights. You had these when you were born, okay? So they merely put forth, we we pledge to protect these rights. That's the, that's their come from on it, right? That's It's not you're getting these rights. And that's where a lot of this confusion comes from is that if you believe that you get your rights from government, well, then down the road, it's going to be much easier to enslave you because then you believe that the government can take these rights away mm-hmm. because they gave them to you. And so, and that is really the communist mentality. And, the, and that's the mentality the far left looks at Um, Whether you're fascist or communist, you look at rights as being something that are granted to you by the state. And that's not how our founding fathers saw it. So to, to, because you really, you, you, I wanted to put that out there because this question you're asking is a big question, right? It's, It's, there's no, yeah, that's like, how do we restore the Republic is really it because the Republic, 
wouldn't necessarily have the benefits and privileges that the corporation has, right? Like unemployment insurance would not necessarily be a function of our republic. Neither would social security insurance, right? So many of these benefits and privileges that many people become completely dependent upon would not be a function of our republic. They are only a function of this corporate de facto government that we have now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it would definitely take some kind of a transition. It would take a, a well thought out transition to take, especially those who have become dependent on the system. Now, for those of us who are entrepreneurs, those of us who are, who already are healthy and well enough to be productive in the world and to generate for ourselves, it wouldn't be that big of a deal for us. Mm-hmm. But for those who have become dependent upon it, we would have to put something in place. Now, typically, this would be in the domain or the realm of the social structures like churches and private organizations and community organizations that are created and funded by com- the community, right? Even a church is, is created and funded by its community, typically. You know, I mean, yeah, the Catholic Church is a little different. Uh, beast there but yeah. but there that these are community structures that whose intention is to provide for those who are less fortunate so that John would have Perry. to be a, lo- a lot more time and attention would have to be put into organizations like that and that's yeah. and i mean that's a function of our social fabric and i think like one of one of the things i'm focusing on in these days more than the questions of law and contract and trusts and things like that is the, the social ramifications, these ideologies that are destroying our culture. That has become the forefront focus for me because that, that destruction of the social fabric will not only collapse any chance of us restoring the Republic, but will also bring in tyranny. Um, because once you've destroyed our culture and our history, which you're seeing it happen, they're, they're actively trying to destroy our history, our culture. And yeah. with that, you can bring in this tyranny that they want to bring in, which would never be able to be brought in under our republic. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely something that I feel that we would have to put certain safeguards in place for those who are less fortunate within our communities. And I think really, I, I'm of the belief that government sucks at everything, even a Republic. (laughs) And I think our founding fathers saw that the same way. Like they saw, like they didn't create our government with all these bureaucracies and all these agencies, right? It was a very simple, small kind of a structure. And they saw it as like a Republic as a system of self-governance. So it was never, it was never their intention for this to be a top down where the federal government is trying to run and manage everything. That's Mm -hmm. it's impractical. It's ineffective. It is not the way to run a country. So we did really, once you, because a Republic operates the opposite in mirror image of how this de facto corporation or de facto corporate government runs. So for instance, in the de facto corporate government, now, actually, I'm going to start with the Republic so you can see how our government was originally established. So the authority, the ultimate authority in a Republic is the people. They're the highest authority in the land. Okay. The people get together and they form counties. So that is the next, that, that's down the line from, from the people. 
but above everything else below the county. Okay. And that's why your county sheriff and your county commissioners are really the most important government officials that you should be focusing on in elections because they have the most power in your county. That's how a republic works. I've been talking. Then you have what's that? I just want to interject here real quick because I, I've just started learning more about that. And I I've researched a lot on George Soros recently. Well, not recently, over the last couple of years. And right. He knew exactly, he knows exactly what you're saying because he spent millions of dollars to get certain sheriffs elected in certain counties and certain DAs elected because he knew how much power that those sheriffs had. He knew which uh, states or counties would be the uh, battle zones. Right. Yeah. For for them to take over our, our country, basically. One of them's here in Maricopa County. I say his name all the time. After I do, I've got a, a sheriff's cruiser sitting right around the block when I leave to go to the, the, the store, just sitting there looking at me when I go by, like, what are you, dude? Do you think you are? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Paul Penzone. Soros paid millions of dollars to get Penzone elected and to basically remove sh- uh, Sheriff Arpaio. Same thing happened in uh, Philadelphia, another sheriff in Wisconsin. And all of these states that happened to be uh, where there were glitches in the election right. system – they just happen to have those Soros paid sheriffs. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I, that's something I've been talking about and it, you just help make it uh, make more sense. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And then next. So, so people at the top, then the County, the counties got together and created what we call States, which are the equivalent of what we think of now as countries. The United States originally was a society. It was a collection of sovereign entities, States, right? Um, we now call them nations. We make this fine distinction, but when you're at the United Nation, what do they call each of the members? They call them member states. Okay. So we've got this distinction we make between state and nation, but the original Republic, each state was like a sovereign nation. And we were, we had created this, this, uh, federalist system to, to uh, protect the interest of the several states, okay? Under in the so your state legislature, that's your next most powerful government. And if you and if you hear, look what's going on right now in this country, you have state legislators that are nullifying all these uh, edicts that are coming out of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying, "Yep, nope, we're not. We're we're nullifying all these gun regulations," and they have the power to do that. But that's in the Republic, they have the power to do that. So you're actually seeing people invoking the Republic. Like in California, they had sheriffs who said, yeah, we're not enforcing the edicts of the governor. That's the Republic. Thank because the, that's, the, that's the direction that the Republic works. And then at the very bottom of this pyramid is the federal government, least power of all. And the politicians and the officials and the executives within the federal government should be the least important and least powerful people in this country under the Republic. Now in the corporation, right? So again, remember this trust was created in 1871. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it created political subdivisions. Okay. These political subdivisions are like their own corporations. You know, they call them things like the state of California and the state of Oregon and mm-hmm. the state of Arizona, right? So these are like subcorporations of that corporation. They're different and distinct from the republics that were originally there. 
because there's the California Republic, which was originally a constitutional republic that was part of the society of the United States. Okay. But now they're cre they created these sub corporations under that uh, entity of 1871. Then that those entities created their own sub entities like the County of Los Angeles, the County of San Diego, right? And so, or the County of Maricopa, right? These are sub corporations of the state of Arizona. Okay. okay. And then those created even further subcorporations known as the city of Los Angeles, the city of, uh, of Santa Ana or whatever. Um, so you, yeah, so they've created, they've basically completely reversed the structure and then sneaky little people that they are, they created this 14th amendment, which created the U S citizen, a franchise, which is under this corporate umbrella. Okay. Oh. So they took and what used to be people at the top, then counties, then states, then the federal government, and they reversed it. You'd have a complete mirror image where it's federal corporation at the top, state corporations below that, then the county corporations, then the city corporations. And down here at the bottom, we have what we call a U.S. citizen. Think so I can't, I've heard over the last few years, think mirror, think mirror. And mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. It's a, it's a complete mirror image. It's, it's inverted. They've completely inverted the Republic. And that's what the corporate government is. It's a complete inversion. And so with all these state legislators getting together and uh, voting to nullify things coming out of the federal government, they're invoking the Republic because the corporation, the sub corporations don't have that power to, to void what comes down from above, but the Republic does because in the Republic, the ultimate power comes from the people, then the counties, then the states. So, so you're starting to see this invoking of the Republic happening. And that's at some level, people are waking up. Um, and, and I think right now with what's happened over the last five years, um, like I, I told you, my journey started about 20 years ago, really with 9-11. But back, but back then it was like, what, a couple thousand <laughs> patriots yeah. in the country, yeah. you know, yeah. and now we're at this stage where there's tens of millions of people who are waking up, don't really know what's going on, but they, they know what they're being told is bullshit. And they, they know, know yeah, they know, they know something. There's some, not sure exactly what it is, but they know that, that, that there's a disturbance in the force. And right. It, yeah, and that's the great awakening. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not cliche to say that. It's a it's a cute thing, uh, but they, they've come out with a lot of good things, in my opinion. But this literally is the great awakening. We're in a paradigm shift, and I think yep. I think I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the craziest year that any of us have experienced in our life of 2020, all of this stuff that's happening is because of that great awakening. Right. Everybody's learning. Everybody's growing. Everybody's. Uh, I hate to use the word progressing, but any that we're we're gaining knowledge and we're we're gaining power, and they want to throw every wrench in the motor, every roadblock, speed bump, distraction that they can to impede that progress. So yeah, it, yeah. it's not going to work. That's, and that's why I think you're seeing such a high level of desperation. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's they it, it, they see the writing is on the wall that yeah. the end is near for that yeah. corporation and its power. And so I feel at this point, 
getting people to wake up to the reality of that, of the power structure of the Republic, mm -hmm. start at the County, go to your state legislators. Like mm -hmm. you see all this craziness coming out of Biden, oh. pressure your state legislators, nullify it. Yeah. You know, like, like show that they are powerless, you know, because we, we all have that power. And if your state legislators won't do it, mm -hmm. replace them, you know, and, and that's, I mean, it just comes down to that. You don't like this, the voting systems. You don't want to use the machines. You have the power to change that. You know, it there, starts at the county, you're, right? You're, it's, it's each county is going to determine the voting systems that it uses. The last person I interviewed was a, uh, a former United States Marine Corps first sergeant. He was a drill instructor for like six years, but he, he literally told me the exact same thing that you're saying right now. He's like, you got to go to your state, you got to go to your county, you got to change this, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's okay, folks. So there's there's facts right there. Marine Corps first sergeant's telling us uh, the same thing. The Branson is. I think it's probably a thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's how the Republic was originally structured. Um, I would say that it's what's also self evident at this point is that the that the Republic, because a lot of people used to theorize that the Republic was dead and gone. Like it didn't exist anymore. My, I never saw it that way because I've seen judges change out flags mm -hmm. in a courtroom. So I was like, no, the Republic's still here. It's just dormant yeah. and it just takes invoking it. And so that's how I saw it. It's like, okay, how do we invoke the Republic? And when I saw uh, there were a couple of California sheriffs who basically stood up and said, no, we're not doing this. Boom. That's invoking the Republic. And actually years ago, um, there was a why it was either a Wyoming sheriff or a or a sheriff in Montana. I forget which, but it was one of those states, Wyoming or Montana. Mm -hmm. And he basically put all federal agents in his county on notice that they could not interact with any of the residents of his county without going through him. They could not arrest anyone. They couldn't go to anyone's house. They couldn't send a mail. <laughs> like any interaction you want to have with your people, you got to go through me. And what, what is he doing there? Peace yeah, he's invoking. Protecting yeah, he's invoking. And fulfilling exactly. his own. And exactly. we need more of those people. Yeah. We, I want one here. I, I think the, uh, the guy in uh, Polk County in Florida. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of those two. I can't remember his damn name, uh, but he, he was telling uh, you know all the people during the riots, the looting and the burning and the you know all the, the the theft and everything. He said, if you come to our if you come to Polk County, and you decide you're going to break into somebody's home, be waiting for them to be on the other side of that door with a gun, and you are going to get blown back out of that house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, during a press conference, so he's he's telling these people, hey, I support my people. And I support their right to defend themselves. And I mean, it might be a little much for them to say that, but hey, if you're going to break into somebody's house, you have to expect that you know some, yeah. something bad might happen. I, yeah. We, well, we, they they have a what do they call that in Florida? Uh, don't they have a? I want to say has like has castle in the name, like uh, like some kind of a clause within their law that like your home is your castle kind of thing, and you and you can defend it with deadly force. Um, I may be off on that. That's, so, that's not something I've actually looked into. I've heard something like that. Stand your ground law, um, some, something something like that. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, something similar. You'd know more than I would. But yeah, which is how it should be. If you're being attacked, somebody's breaking into your home, you, you shouldn't have to be like, 
well, come on in. I guess we'll deal with this in court later. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, to, to give. Yeah. So, well, man, I've in, learned. In fact, I, I think I heard uh, it might have been it might have been the same sheriff you're talking about, because I believe this was also in Florida that he was talking about deputizing his own citizens to I to prevent. Yeah, yeah. To prevent the riots and things like that. He's like, well, I'll deputize citizens and yeah. they will have the power to use force deadly force if you're you know trying to you know burn down a building with people in it you know um so I, I it's it's interesting that like there is this like you said a great awakening that's occurring where people are are remembering that yep. the republic is not a federal government down system it is a people down system that's so. Remember that, people. It starts with us. It's we the people, yeah. and there's way more of us than there are of them. And yeah. collectively, with our knowledge, we can take back our rights and our power and become sovereign citizens again. Is that the correct term? Sovereign citizen? No, that's a that's a contradiction of terms. <laughs> a, 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 you're, you're, you're either sovereign or you're a citizen. Oh, okay. Um, oh. You can't be both. Um, so that, that was actually, uh, back in the day, I felt I, I kind of, uh, I presented my workshops as rehabilitation for sovereign citizens, because I, for, for one, you have to dispel that myth uh -huh. that there's, that there, that you can have such a thing, right. Okay. That it's, they're, they're literally a contradiction in terms yeah. that it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah, you, they don't go together. <laughs> they don't I go together. And so I can learn and so other people can learn because I probably say, no, not probably, without a doubt, I say ignorant things all the time because I just don't <laughs> because I've been saying that for a long time and now I will never say that again. It's like I used to use the term uh, race to describe people's ethnicities and, to, and then I realized it's not a race. It's an no, There's one race. <laughs> the human race. The human yeah, race. exactly. And then people are different ethnicities or different nationalities, but it's not a race. So anyway, I go off on tangents. You gotta, you gotta get used to that with me. Oh yeah, so. no, no problem. Like you said, it's just like having a conversation at the bar, right? Yeah, man. A couple buddies. You know, uh, I've been on this show with a guy named Charlie Ward, and before uh, a couple times now. And uh, he, when he, before we got on the interview, he said, "This isn't an interview. Just a couple of chaps at the pub." You know, and I was like, man, I, lo I love that because that's, you know, that that uh, people absorb that better. You know, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to see the mainstream news crap where it's guy with the tie. Hello, Jim. This is blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, it, it, they don't yeah. want to hear that. I don't. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. I, you know, I just want to have a talk with somebody that um, that that has some information that can that can uh, speak to people normally. And anyway, I'll shut up about that. Um well, I, th I think it's actually an important point is because I think that's why the phenomenon of these telegram voice chats. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I know that's why I'm drawn into them because it's like we're having discussions. Oh, I'm you know, that's we need to have discussions. People need to bring different points of view to the table and yeah. we need to talk these things out because there is a lot of misinformation yep. and a lot of disinformation Mm -hmm. And that it's through discussions and through thinking, critical thinking, that mm -hmm. we can decipher all this and really figure out, you know, what what is self-evident, what is true, and what is false, you know. And and I, I believe that discussion and conversation is one of the most powerful ways to make that happen. 
Yeah, it's been great. I, I got on Telegram and I couldn't really, really figure out how to navigate through it. And then I got into a couple of these discussion forums and man, I'm on there every day. I'm driving to work an hour away and I've got it on listening if I can't talk. And a topic will come up that is in my wheelhouse and boom, I'll jump in and say my thing. And then people that have never heard this information before will will comment on it or start or the admins will start looking up some of the information and say, hey, yeah, right. just look that up. Here, here's here's something to back that up. And then these people who are uh, like the, the, some people call us autists, you know, like an autistic person that can, you know, figure all this stuff out. <laughs> right. Um, which is not a derogatory term at all, will start to process that information and then and build on something that they didn't know. And then, you know, the same thing. Like I'm doing with you right now. You started talking about quantum grammar and... Um, Actually, we haven't even talked on quantum language yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because we're already over an hour and just because a lot of... Because I want people to watch these. And right, I know right. people, if they see a YouTube, channel, a YouTube video that's like two hours, they're just right. going to go right past it and they're not going to, yeah. they're not going to click on it. And I want people to, to see this information and be able to, you know, watch it over their lunch hour or something like that. Right. Uh, well, we can, we, we can have another discussion another day. Oh, we absolutely, I, I I'm going to bug you if you, if you ignore me, I'm going to be saying, Hey man, let's do another, <laughs> or another talk. I, I, I'm down. I, like I said, this to me, this is with it. This is my purpose. This is my meaning. Um, I want to elevate people and empower people. And I can think of no better way than to spread information, you know, wow. and do the best that I can to demonstrate how I've come to the conclusions through my own critical thinking mm-hmm. um, and share those with people so that they can take it and run with it and dig deeper than even I've dug or than you've dug. I think this is only beneficial for all of us to have these kinds of discussions available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Regardless of uh, what people think their political party is, what their religion is, what their, like I said, their ethnicity, this is information for everyone, period, that, that's helped right. for everyone. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited about this interview. I, I really, I don't know, something just told me, my, my intuition told me, message that guy, we need to do an interview. And it was right. It was right. So, yeah, um, man, I really appreciate all of your sharing, all of your information. I mean, you sharing all of your information with us, taking the time with me to do this. Um, we definitely have to do this again. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we can make this a weekly thing. I don't know. It's up to you. I'll message you and we can figure it out, but absolutely if you're willing to come on here and talk with me and help educate people. I'm, I'm all for it. So me too. I will. I, I, I'll absolutely work with you on this. And like I said, uh, I invite everyone out there to, you know, get in, you know, get on these groups like where you and I met, you know, like the, the frequency 432 on telegram. Um, Those are great groups. They're, they're places where you can meet people who know a lot of things and, and it's good to be able to share information. I'd say one of the things we need to be careful of is getting stuck in our own ideologies because I do, I recognize it as extremely dangerous on the left, but I notice people on the right doing it as well, where Mm -hmm. you get caught up in an ideology as opposed to critically thinking about something and being open to 
being wrong, being open to possibilities beyond what you've thought of. So really getting more people into these conversations is essential because those other perspectives can open people's minds to thinking about it in a different way. And it's critical at this moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And something you keep, you keep um, repeating, which you should be, and I, I, is critical thinking. Critical thinking skills are not taught in schools. And in, in, I call them no. <laughs> indoctrination centers. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're made to sit in a row and absorb information that you're given, store it all in your brain, put it on the test, pass the test, brain dump it, or basically just repeat what they're, they're telling you without thinking critically, without thinking for yourself. Right. And, I, yeah. and I actually had an experience one time in uh, – I, I started going to college. And I've got uh, a couple years of college, but um, never got any degrees. I just it, – it, it, something was wrong about it for me. Uh, but I was in this class and the, the professor was explaining something and what he was explaining, there were, there were different caveats to what he was explaining. And I asked him some analytical questions and he literally said, are you going to sit there all day and ask me analytical questions? Are you going to let me teach this damn class? No way. Uh, actually, I'm going to leave. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah. I walked out and that was the end of that class. And I hope I taught a couple of those younger students. This was, uh, after I'd been in the Air Force for a while. And I hope a right. couple of the students saw that and it planted a seed to get them to think, hey, you don't have to put up with people pushing you around. You can get up mm -hmm. and go if you want. You know, yeah. you don't have to sit there and be pushed through that. So anyway, um, hey, uh, I want to help people get to uh, your website. It's right here on the page. I've never been yep. to your website and I usually don't help somebody promote something unless I've gone and checked it out and vetted it for myself. But just or talk together. I, I can't imagine anything bad about it, but, um, no. work, work with you, with you. in fact, we would like, like I said, these days I'm more focused on like, again, I call it phenomenosophy because I'm focused on the philosophy of, well, approaching the problems of our culture from a philosophical standpoint, because that's the pro that in that process, we're going to think through solutions. So I approach really, uh, the cultural, issues more than anything else. Um, I spent many, many years teaching what we talked about today and I've mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm kind of going in another direction. Um, but we actually on our telegram channel, we will start doing, uh, I had a group approach me about doing trust calls and things like that. Now mm -hmm. they, because they approach me as a group, they may want to do that privately, mm -hmm. but maybe this will be that venue, you know, where we can just, you know, speak into these particular subjects. Um, because I realize. I've been out of the game for many years and haven't been teaching this. And I see that there's a lot being taught that's related to what we talked about today, but a lot of it's off. You know, I've seen people talking about, Oh, the corporation, and this is how the courts work. And it's, it's a lot of, and I don't believe it. I don't think it, it's disinformation. I think they're just misinformed. So I would categorize it as misinformation that they've accumulated some information and some data somewhere and they've either interpreted it, it in such a way that it there, when they try to convey it, it doesn't come out correctly. Um, yeah. or they just, the source of their information was, was, was skewed or flawed or even intentionally disinformation that they didn't realize. So it, it, it does seem that these topics are especially relevant now more than they were when I was teaching it 15 years ago, they're mm -hmm. really relevant now. Um, so I, I do feel like these topics do need to be covered again. And, and in detail so that people can understand. Yeah, absolutely. 
So is there anywhere else that uh, we can find you on social media or where you want people to find you? Uh, pretty much on everything. Uh, Phenomenosophy you can find on every platform. Gab, Telegram, MeWe, um, what, uh, what, Locals. What are, what are your handles? Is it just under the phenom- Phenomenosophy? Yeah, most, most of it's under Phenomenosophy. If I have a personal account on that platform, it'll be under BrandZen. Um, okay. So, yeah, so it's, you, you could, if you, I mean, really, if you go to Google, type in phenomenosophy, you're going to find 25 well, entries and they're all me. <laughs> so. There we go, folks. That's how you can find, uh, find Branson and more information about what he's talking about. And we're going to do this again for sure. As long as you're willing to come back on the show and it sounds like you are. So. Absolutely. Awesome, yeah, man. absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that I, that I met you on that uh, Telegram chat and that you're here uh, helping us with new information, helping me. And I'm going to have some other questions for you. I'm not, I know you're not my attorney, but I've definitely got some <laughs> questions, you know, that, that might help me in the, in the long run here because I'm still in a kind of a sticky situation. We talked about that before the, before the yep. interview. So, but that's, yep. that's, a, that's a whole other talk. So, um, all right, everybody uh, in the chat, I, I was checking the uh, the messages and the comments and everything here, and it doesn't look like we missed too much. Um, so thank you guys all for being here and uh, being a part of this, and look for us uh, to do this interview again. Have, have a great night. Thank you, man. You too. All right.